0: welcome everyone to dead talk live i'm your host viz from walking dead now i want to welcome all of our viewers tonight a happy friday night to everyone i hope everyone is doing well saz is going to be handling the text chats tonight i'll be talking to you guys live on the air if you're joining our show for the first time and want more information about us please visit our website at deadtalklive.com And as always, please also visit our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now. And subscribe if you have not already done so. And if you're on YouTube right now, it would be greatly appreciated if you hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us tonight. Let's start with the Instagram people tonight. AZ Gamer, who submitted a real cool picture. If you guys looked at our social media, I'll be showing it to you guys again later on today. Well, in a few minutes, Matt Williams is joining us. Quasi is with us. Maya, Llewell, LV, Evelyn is with us as well. Welcome, Evelyn. Marie is moderating on Instagram tonight. Zachary Thomas John is with us and reminds us that it's one month to the finale. And he's absolutely right. It is September 4th. And the finale is airing on October 4th. So we are 30 days away from the Walking Dead Season 10 finale. Finally. It is almost here, guys. Almost here. Sandra Carroll is with us. Fuku is also joining us. Maya is saying hello to everybody. On uh, Facebook, we have Jennifer and John Wesley. Jesse is joining us. Brie Nicole. Charles. And Judy are also with us. Let me switch over to the YouTube side because, again, it has frozen. Welcome to Devana on YouTube and Justin. And Junior James 3 is also with us. Welcome to all you guys. So today, uh, it was kind of a slow news day, which kind of works out well for us since uh, we've been falling behind on our daily topics. So I have a whole bunch of pictures to show you guys that were released uh, from Fear of the Walking Dead, as well as some great new shots from the new show World Beyond that is going to be premiering right after The Walking Dead on October 4th. So we're going to show you guys a whole bunch of pictures. Welcome, Tiffany, on Twitter. Yep, we just started about two minutes ago, Tiffany, so you're right on time. Uh, welcome to the broadcast. Miguel is also with us on Facebook as well. So yeah, like I said, I have a whole bunch of pictures to show you guys. And then we're going to take today to catch up on uh, the topics that we have fallen behind and start our new topic for today, which is where we are going to be looking at the original gang of survivors and how they adapted to their new world. Scary-ass world, but how they each and every one of them adapted to it in their own very unique way. So let's just go ahead and start with the pictures that were dropped today. There was a lot of them. There was actually also a teaser dropped by uh, Fear the Walking Dead. It's a pretty cool teaser, very short, but let's uh, go ahead and show that one first. We need better people, more people. We've been listening to other people for long enough. I just got to get as far away from this place as possible. I thought I'd actually be saving lives. I don't know who you think I am. I'm not leaving without you. You're not going to stop us. I know who you are. Y'all best be ready. You were dealing with somebody else now. So there you guys have it. Like I said, it's very short, very enticing. I'm very much looking forward to this new season of Fear the Walking Dead that is going to premiere on October 11th on AMC. Very psyched about that. And along with the trailer, like I said, they dropped a whole bunch of pictures today that were uh, shown exclusively on Screen Rant. At least that's what Screen Rant says. They're exclusive pictures. So let's go ahead and take a look at them. Wow, look at Morgan. He's had better days by the look, by the looks of this picture. Uh, he's got the beard grown out. And the uh, left arm is in a sling. Let's go on to the next one. There's Charlie. And Alicia. These are probably more than likely all from the premiere episode. That's going to be aired on October 11th. There's Dwight. You know, with the shorter, you know, hair, kinda goes on him, looks good on him. Looks like he's fighting back, uh, or barricaded himself behind a stack of chairs, you know, hiding from those walkers. And there we have June and the gang running away. Now here's uh, Luciana, and you know, I have a bad gut feeling about Luciana in this season. I have a feeling she's not gonna make it through. Just a feeling guys, just an opinion. But like I said, I've got a bad gut feeling about Luciana, which sucks because Danae Garcia is so amazing at playing Luciana. I really like her character. She's really grown on me a lot. And no way in hell, when we met her, if you would have asked me that she would outlive Nick, and she has, I would have said, hell no. But here she is, still standing. All right, here we got Strand and John. With cowboy hats. What do you guys think of Strand in the, uh, in the hat there? I mean, for John, I mean, yeah, you know, that's, that's his style. <laughs> I, I think it's hysterical looking at uh, Strand with that hat. He's like trying to be a good old cowboy. Just quite, doesn't, doesn't quite fit. And here's, a, a zoom out shot of the earlier shot that we saw of, uh, of, uh, oh, sorry, Morgan. Like I said, he looks like he's had much better days. And one final shot. I love this picture. The white mask people, uh, they're all, all the uh, media outlets saying they don't know if they're protagonists or antagonists. basically good guys or bad guys. All we know is that they have uh, Althea Al at gunpoint here. Uh, the mask, it totally reminds me out of something from the purge. Uh, you know, that when I look at their masks, that's, that's exactly what it reminds me of the purge. And I spoke to you guys earlier that our Instagram user, azgameryt, submitted a new picture. Let me show you guys. It's up on our all our social media outlets as well. Uh, for those of you who have not seen it, I wanted to post it up. Good work there, azgamer. The picture is awesome. Uh, very kick-ass on how you blended Daryl with the background there. Very nice. Very nice. What I love about this picture, guys, take a look at the at the uh, handle of uh, Daryl's crossbow. I mean, yeah, he's had it for, depending on which timeline you use, anywhere between 15 to 20 years into the apocalypse. And it's been through a lot of crap. And you can definitely see that by looking at the handle and the butt end of that gun, of that crossbow. And just seeing how worn to hell it is. Uh, Just awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I've got another cool Walking Dead poster to show you guys. I don't know how many of you have seen this. I have not posted this one. Uh, Try to get who created this. And I couldn't find the information. But this is a great montage of the characters right here. And we have almost all of them, you know. Uh, far left there we have Magna, far right is Father Gabriel, Eugene, Yumiko, Sadiq, Aaron and Negan and Judith are front and center. You even have Dante in there next to Lydia, Luke, Kelly, Jerry, uh, Diane, uh, Alden, uh, Kelly's, I'm sorry, Connie's also there. And then the top three, of course, is Daryl, Michonne, and Carol. So, awesome shot. Awesome shot right here. So, while we're at it, I've got some more pictures. Hell, let's just get through them all. Alright. Here's a great picture of uh, Norman Reedus. Then his Daryl get-up. Get and next one up. We have the uh, three good friends here. Norman Reedus, Stephen Yen, and Andrew Lincoln. Two out of the three are no longer on the show. How sad is that? That's very sad. Uh, Glenn is dead. Rick is still alive. We're going to see him again in the movies, but he's not going to be back on the TV show. So Daryl is the only one still standing in the TV show. Want to welcome Walkers? On YouTube, Burnt Eggies. Uh, Stephanie Garcia uh, asking, how are we doing? We're doing good, Stephanie. Thank you for joining us. Evelyn is giving love hearts on Instagram. Sandra Carroll is also giving a smiley love face at this great picture. Uh, I believe, let's see, is that the end of it? Yeah, yeah, that's the end of the pictures that we have for today. So, I'm like, you know what, while I was at it, let's just go through all the pictures that I have, get them out of the way, uh, show them to you guys, and we can go ahead and start on our topics. As always, guys, uh, the phone number is right up there. If you want to call in with your opinion, uh, comments, questions, please do so if you're inside the United States. 718-509-9270. If you're outside the US, please go ahead and use Skype. Look us up, Walking Dead now, add us to your favorites. And uh, we'd love for me to hear from you. And for anybody out there who's thinking about doing some prank calling, I've got some awesome piece of tracing background software that will do amazing stuff with your caller ID number. So, I'm ready to go. Anyway, guys, let's uh, let's start with finally finishing this comic relief that we've been trying to finish for two episodes now, but they've been such busy news days that we haven't been able to get to it. And we had some great material, and I don't want it to go to waste. So, we're going to finish up on the comic relief moments in The Walking Dead. And then, like I said earlier, we're just going to slide into what today's topic is, and that is the original band of survivors and how they adapted to their new world. So, we sort of left off with Glenn yesterday. Other super funny comic relief Glenn moments include that scene at the pharmacy where he unknowingly picked up a packet of condoms while trying to hide the fact that he had found a pregnancy test for Lori, who was trying to hide it from Maggie because Lori had asked him to be discreet. Maggie sees what Glenn is holding and, well, that's when they have a very awkward conversation which leads to the two of them having sex. And, yeah, I think that was a comic relief moment just the way it unfolded. When Maggie finds out that Glenn can't keep his mouth shut about the walkers in the barn, she puts an egg in his cap and squashes it over his head. How many of you guys forgot that scene? I was hysterical. Later on, she does offer to wash his cap as sort of a reconciliation gesture, you know? I guess she kind of felt bad for doing that to him. But, you know... He did open up his mouth. In season two, there is also that well walker, which provided some walker comic relief. And uh, we did talk about that two episodes ago. Uh, That was just hysterical. I mean, that whole scene of them trying to lift that uh, big, dead zombie stuck in the well and Glenn... Uh, being walker bait, that's the term he coined for himself, having to go down there so he can put the rope around him. How many times did that poor guy put himself in harm's way for the sake of the group? And he didn't really complain that much about it, he just did it. That's just one of the things that endeared Glenn to us in the very early seasons of The Walking Dead. Anyway, uh... You know, now let's move on to the next comic relief moment. And that's Rick's taste in music and Daryl's reaction to it. We have saw this several times on the show. If you all remember that scene in the car when Rick is driving and he puts on uh, that CD and, and Daryl, who's riding shotgun, says, don't, don't, please don't. But he does it anyway. Uh, and, you know, Rick starts just snapping his two fingers to the tune, and it just pisses the hell out of Daryl. <laughs> anyway, then we have Daryl and Rick chasing Jesus, who gets the better of them until Daryl knocks him out. But, you know, to give Daryl some credit, he did say thank you for killing the walker behind him before he punches the living daylights out of him and knocks his ass out. Anyway, they ended up losing the truck full of supplies because they were acting like little boys trying to fight over the candy. Uh, while they were busy bringing down Jesus, the truck rolls into the pond, and there goes a hell of a lot of supplies that they all could have used, all because they couldn't control themselves. Uh, Once Rick and Daryl bring Jesus back to Alexandria, Rick comments on how it was pretty stupid of them to go out there and look for people. Daryl's response was, yep, do it again tomorrow. to uh, To which Rick replies, yep. And if also, if you remember, on that drive back with Jesus passed out in the back seat... Jesus' head tumbled onto Daryl's shoulder. And Rick saw that from up front. And he purposely kept swerving the car so Jesus' head would land on Daryl's shoulder. Again, just like two brothers, we see them acting out and playing pranks on each other, which we know that they also did in real life when the camera wasn't rolling. Uh, that's one of the most notorious things between Andrew Lincoln and da- uh, sorry Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus that goes on is the never-ending prank war that these two guys have going on. So, anyway, uh, Anil is with us on Instagram. AZ Gamer writes, that was an awesome moment. Sanjar is giving us a thumbs up. Mary61Mom is also with us on Instagram. Uh, Let's see. Going over to YouTube, uh, Facebook. We have Valkyria with us saying hello on Facebook. Stephanie Garcia is with us on YouTube as well. NYW is joining us on YouTube uh, as well. So anyway, let's move on to our next topic. Emij on YouTube, writes, It's a funny moment with Rick and Daryl. It's just I love those little moments that those two have together. Uh, by bringing Jesus back, this leads us to one of the most memorable—that you know—memorable uh, comic relief moments: the way Carl finds out that his father and Michonne had spent the night together. Uh, if, you, if you remember, Jesus breaks out of his cell, and he walks in on Rick and Michonne, sleeping after they had had sex. And uh, he's like, Rick, Rick. And they both get up, both Rick and Michonne, from a dead sleep, uh, grab their weapons, stand up, buck naked. <laughs> And, uh, you know, they have the their guns drawn on uh, Jesus. And he's like, I'll go wait outside while you guys can't rest. And while Jesus is sitting on the top steps, admiring a painting on the wall, well, here comes Carl with his gun drawn to Jesus's head. It's basically saying, who are you and what are you doing in my house? To which Jesus replies... I am sitting on the steps. I am looking at this painting while I'm waiting for your mom and dad to get dressed. And the look on Carl's face when Jesus says, Mom and dad, he's like, Mom? What mom? And then he sees Rick and Michonne coming out of the room together. And the look on Rick's face was priceless because. Carl basically caught them that they spent the night together. That was hysterical. Summer is on Facebook tonight. Writes, woohoo. If I was Jesus, I would have just jumped right in there with him. Yes, we know, Summer. We know that's what you would do. Uh, Anand is with us on Instagram. As is Jordan giving us a love hearts. Anan is saying hello. Ocampo on Instagram is giving us a smiley love face. As is uh, Miguel on Instagram as well. Let me see what's going on on YouTube. Uh, All right, let's go back to the story. Sorry, I I keep having to jump around on the scripts. Tiffany on Twitter writes: Michonne has the blank face. Like, yeah, she was speechless. She didn't know what to say. Sort of leaving it up to Rick. ...to handle it himself, you know? It's like, yeah, he's... Yeah, Carl is your son. You're gonna have to uh, have that talk with him about this one. (laughs) Stenningol is laughing at Summer. Rebo is giving us a smiley love face on Instagram. Let's see. Comic relief moments. Comic relief moments. Uh, How can anybody forget that scene? Anyway, next one on the list is Season 3. The famous episode, Clear... When Michonne retrieves the Grimes family portrait from the cafe for Carl and she pulls out a rainbow cat statue from behind her back. Now clear is the episode that they run into Morgan. Uh, This is the first time we see Morgan since season one and he's basically batshit crazy. Of all the things that Michonne could have chosen to take, this was not what anyone would have expected. She says to Carl, I just couldn't leave this behind, it's just too damn gorgeous. Another Michonne comic relief moment is when she lost a bet with Carl while they are walking along the railroad tracks, and she had to give Carl a candy bar. You'll notice that Carl shares quite a few light-hearted banters with Michonne, which gives the viewers the comic relief, they probably missed from the first two seasons that we, uh, when we had with Glenn. Now, in the season six premiere, which is called First Time Again, there was a hilarious exchange between Michonne and Morgan, which sort of relates back to the episode from season three, Clear. Now, in this scene, Rick, Michonne, and Morgan are standing at the meeting point when the group was trying to divert the zombie horde away from Alexandria. And out of nowhere, Morgan says in a very serious voice, uh, Michonne, back when you were in that place where I lived, do you remember taking one of my protein bars? See, I could have sworn there was a peanut butter left. So he's accusing Michonne of stealing his protein bar and even though he was crazy out of his mind at least he was partially there to remember that he did have a peanut butter protein bar that went mysteriously missing after Michonne, Rick, and Carl left him alone. (laughs) Moving along we also have that Eugene getting rejected by Tara moment when she flat out tells him that she likes girls and Glenn tries not to laugh as Eugene struggles to respond to that. One of the very few times on the show where we find Eugene at a loss for words uh, because he always has some kind of response to everything and it's always in a way that nobody can really understand. Uh, Now, guys, we also have to have Carol on this list uh what did you guys all think of that interview carol did for deanna and before we get to that uh as i mentioned early in prior episode my son again is binge watching the walking dead uh for like the second or third time and today was he was on the episode that i walked in on with him that i had to watch a part of as i was getting ready for the show it's when carol wakes up in the kingdom where Morgan has taken her, and she gets to meet King Ezekiel for the first time. And it's, you know, Morgan who wheels her in on the wheelchair to uh, meet the king. And her response, when she is taken into that auditorium with the king, Ezekiel, sitting on his little throne-slash-chair... Which, by the way, he had a tiger next to him. And Jerry. That's where we really first get introduced to Jerry as well. And uh, the look on Carol's face as Ezekiel opens his mouth. And he starts to talk in character of, like, a 17th century king. You know, calling Carol the fair maiden... Uh You know, where are his manners? And that's the whole exchange that, start, that starts the pomegranate thing. Remember the pomegranate? How Ezekiel was just dead set on Carol tasting a goddamn pomegranate. And no matter how she tried to explain to him that she just does not like pomegranates, the dude could not back off on wanting her to try a goddamn pomegranate. Anyway... The look on Carol's face as she is talking to Ezekiel and she was like, you know, with Shiva, uh, you know, there's a tiger there and you're presented by somebody who calls himself the king and he's totally acting and talking like a, you know, mid-17th century king and the whole thing just I that, that I cannot describe the expression on her face. You guys remember the scene. It is priceless. And uh, she puts on a great act. And then Morgan wheels her out of the auditorium. And he's like, she's like, what the hell was that? Uh, they're playing. This is play acting that they're doing here. You know, they're completely play acting here. This isn't serious. Uh, anyway, you know, Carol Indiana. Uh, Carol says that, uh, she's a real people person and that she didn't really have much to offer the group, which we all know is bullshit. Of course, Carol said all these things as part of her cover, but it was still funny to hear that interview while I have this image of a badass Carol that we all have ingrained in our minds that, uh, you know, she was trying to portray herself as this weak female figure being protected by all the men in the group that she was traveling with. Even Daryl tells Carol that she looks ridiculous, but she is dressed up like a regular housewife, ready to bake cookies, which of course she does a lot of, Exchanges recipes with all the other women in Alexandria. And like I mentioned before, for me, that was Melissa McBride's best acting as Carol. Uh, The way she just flipped back and forth when she was first brought into Alexandria, to me, is priceless. Sandra Carol on Instagram is giving us thumbs up uh diana says and i would pay attention to what he speaks i would appreciate it i think you're talking to someone else uh jordan says i watched the walking dead 10 times wow that's awesome sunny is saying hello on instagram uh let's see alpha has joined us on youtube as well so now of course Comic relief, you uh, you got to mention Negan. Even at his worst, Negan has always provided comic relief in his just cocky, arrogant ways. The dude has always been charismatic, as is J.D. Morgan, the actor. Very charismatic. Uh, welcome Cat, just joined us on YouTube, says, Sorry everyone, I missed out yesterday. Can't stay long today either. Well, thank you, Kat, for dropping by. We always appreciate having you come by the show. Uh, Just reading over some of the comic relief moments before we get into today's topic. Uh, So anyway, going back to Negan. uh, Cooking in Rick's house. He makes spaghetti uh, for Carl, which he pointedly tells Rick about. There is also that awkward moment where he is being seduced by Alpha and he says something along the lines of I hope this isn't a uh, praying mantis where you kill me afterwards. Then there's the competition between Negan and Beta where they try to better uh, one another but it was done in a light-hearted way at least for Negan. I don't think we've ever seen any light-hearted moments with Beta. The dude is always serious. Always. Negan falling into the ditch, which the Whisperers use as their toilet. He was wearing his uh, prize leather jacket as well. And he was dipped in shit after that. So, let's move on to some other characters. Uh, I mean, even the fact that Daryl named his dog, Dog, is hysterical. Now... Uh, I think when we meet Jerry, which, we, which I just talked about, uh, you know, his, Jerry's character sort of, you know, feels like it's there to fill the lighthearted Glenn moments from Seasons 1 and 2. They're both very gentle and very generally optimistic characters in regards to Jerry and Glenn. And I know that you guys have probably never heard anybody compare Jerry and Glenn to one another. But if you really look back to, you know, both those characters, they're very similar. They have huge hearts. They're very lighthearted, easy to get along with, you know. So there is a big comparison between them. Uh, Tab has given us a thumbs up. Uh, Sandra says, I have to go. Good night. Thank you for being with us, Sandra. Uh, E. Alva is waving at us on Instagram as well. Uh, Korea Smith is giving us a smiley love face. Sunny is saying hello. So, uh, Saz writes, love the montage with Negan and Beta. Okay. So, that actually concludes the comic relief part. It took us three days to actually do that (laughs) because it was you know to to our defense there was a lot of news happening over the last two days prior to today so now let's move on to today's topic okay we are going to be discussing the original group of survivors from season one and of course the new world the post-apocalyptic world how they dealt with it, their origins, and what they did to try to learn how to survive in their new world that was, uh, you know, pushed on them. They had no choice. They had no choice in the matter. I'm just flipping through all the chats here. Uh, Kat is asking, what did Jerry do before the apocalypse? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's ever mentioned on the show what Jerry did before the apocalypse. But I'm sure if uh, we go to the uh, Wikipedia for The Walking Dead, they they might mention something that was brought up that I just do not recall. Uh, anyway, we're going to discuss the major events that occurred in the present of the first season characters, how they evolved from being simple, helpless characters to being the strong, independent fighters, uh, how some made it and some did not. Uh, From the pizza delivery guy that we discover to be Glenn, to the badass deputy sheriff who's Rick. If one thing The Walking Dead has taught us is to never underestimate a person and especially not judge them based based on what they did before the apocalypse. Which, by the way, I can't say that statement without again mentioning that this new group that we are going to meet, or sort of have met, the Commonwealth, which is sort of going to be the main storyline for Season 11, uh, the Commonwealth is 50,000 strong, the biggest community by far, to date, that we are going to come across in the Walking Dead universe. And the way they classify people is according to what they did before the Apocalypse. If you were an important person before the Apocalypse, you're going to be an important person in the Commonwealth. If you're not important before, you're not going to be important in the Commonwealth. So, uh, we noticed that certain characters have developed great survival skills such as Andrea and Glenn, whose past jobs didn't require much physical or psychological strength, but for people like Daryl and Merle living in this world where they were more adaptable. They were outdoors uh, people, they were trained in hunting and everything else. Do any of you guys remember what Andrea did before the Apocalypse? Uh, you probably don't. It was really just slightly mentioned once, but Andrea was a lawyer. She was a civil rights attorney. So, a little refresher for anyone that forgot that. She was an attorney, which kind of explains why she was so damn stubborn and always felt that she was right. You know, it kind of explains a little bit of that. But anyway, being the first episode that, you know, they faced the outbreak, the, ta- the challenge was pretty hard. And it really showed uh, when they, this really showed up when they were learning firsthand how to kill a walker. They didn't know how to yield a weapon and weren't very skilled with their aim And if your name is Michonne, that aiming just never got better. Because to this day, girl doesn't know how to shoot a gun. Girl couldn't shoot her way out of a wet paper bag. So Summer, if you're still watching, I know you're a big Michonne fan. But yeah, she can't shoot her way out of a wet paper bag. So, (laughs) just a little Michonne jab there for Summer. But for some people like Rick, Shane, and Daryl, they were all naturals when it came to killing and handling weapons. We can see that the majority of the group was struggling at first, and it was interesting to see the huge progress they make as the show advances. Now, here are some of the examples that you guys might very well remember, okay? The gun training on the farm, led by Shane. If you guys remember, Shane was a certified gun instructor before the apocalypse. And that came in handy when he had to teach a whole bunch of people who before the apocalypse never had to handle a gun on how to hold it properly, how to aim, how to shoot. You know, don't point it at anybody that you don't intend on killing. And so on. Uh, Let's see. AZ Gamer on YouTube, on Instagram, writes I haven't read much of the comics of The Walking Dead. So is the Commonwealth an even community? He's asking me to answer. Uh, CC Wheezy says the Commonwealth is a community of 50,000. And as far as are they an even community? I don't know exactly what you mean by even, but no, they're fifty thousand strong. They classify their community members, like I just said, based on what they did before the apocalypse. And with a community that big, you're gonna you're bound to have uh, different a lot of different personalities, and we're gonna see some that get really that get along really well with. Uh, our group of survivors, and then you're going to see others that despise our group of survivors, and there's going to be conflict. Of course, there's going to be conflict. It's the Walking Dead. Uh, AZ Gamer says, I'm asking is the Commonwealth an evil community? Well, uh, technically, they're neither bad nor good guys. But like I said, with so many people there are going to be people within that community that hate our survivors, and there are going to be people who love our survivors. Stephanie likes Eugene, and I think, you know, Stephanie's more than likely going to be a quote-unquote good person. Uh, Let's see where the head of the uh, Commonwealth... Uh, military, their militia is a person by the name of Mercer in the comic books. Let's see how they portray Mercer in the TV show. Uh, they could change it around. they can make Mercer a woman that they you know that they've done a lot of times on the uh, TV show. and a good example of that is Kelly. Connie's sister on The Walking Dead in the comic books. Kelly was a man. And in the TV show, Kelly is a woman. So Mercer can be male or female in the TV show. In the comic books, he uh, he was a man. So, Curdia uh, says, I love you. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. AZ Gamer says, just like Alexandria, some people like Rick's group. And people like Spencer and others hated Rick's group. Exactly. And that was a small community based to what... Based, you know, if you compare it to what we're going to see in the Commonwealth. So anyway, going back to the gun training. Most of them never handled a gun. Even though Carl was learning how to adapt. Uh, We have all seen how well he does shoot from season 2 onwards. Andrea learning from Shane how to handle and take care of a gun, including taking aim when under pressure. And let's not forget, she shot Daryl. Andrea shot Daryl, thinking he was a walker. As a cop, Shane would have already faced these situations, but for the others, it was a huge learning curve. Shane shows Andrea that it's different when your target is moving rather than standing still, A walker is not going to stand still while you take aim and shoot. The good thing about that is not that they don't move very fast either. While Andrea may not be the best shooter, her confidence in handling walkers did grow and she was able to survive when she was left to fend for herself after being left behind when the farm was overrun with a lot of help from Michonne. If Michonne did not step in and save her life that night, Andrea would have been a goner. We could see the way Andrea has adapted when we look back at how long it took for her to kill the walker in the RV, and Dale had to throw down a screwdriver from the sunroof. Now, being former cops, both Rick and Shane had the upper hand at leadership skills, When uh, which Rick was trying his best to ultimately... Uh, you know, get it through his head and just basically put his best effort forward. We see Rick trying to be the bigger man as the series progresses, while Shane, on the other hand, tries to not only steal the spotlight from Rick, but also proving himself more worthy of Lori than Rick. He was in competition. He still wanted Lori back, even though her husband showed up. She wasn't having it. Uh, In the CDC, where Shane got drunk when they were all having that big dinner when they first arrived. After they took that nice hot shower. And uh, Shane had a little too much to drink and started coming on to Lori. uh, And she blew him off. Uh, Eventually, we all knew that he had to die at some point. The whole situation with Shane was going to come to a head. Uh, Let's see... Going over to YouTube, Kat writes, How would the Commonwealth know? Uh, I wonder what people did before. It's a good question. Uh, Kat also writes, Makes sense about Andrea. Thankfully, Andrea also had terrible aim. Otherwise, Daryl wouldn't be with us. Vitor is with us on YouTube. Welcome. Uh, Kat also says, I think uh, Deanna... Was portrayed by a man in the comic books. Yep, it's been done multiple times. Kingslayer Army on YouTube writes I haven't seen season 10, but what's your opinion on Negan becoming part of the council while being a minor in it? Uh, I think if you're talking about, I think you might have misspelled it. I think you're talking about Negan. But Kingslayer, I've said it before on this show and I'll say it again, uh, whether it's going to be in this finale, probably not, or next season, Negan is not just going to be on the council for Alexandria, Negan is going to be the leader of Alexandria. Remember, Michonne is gone. They currently don't have a leader. The council is sort of running Alexandria, but I think Negan is going to be selected to become the leader of Alexandria and a lot of that is going to be based on stuff we have yet to see. A lot of that is going to be in what I feel is going to be a huge role that he is going to play in this finale that we're getting in 1 month from today. So as far as Negan goes, I I feel I just have a gut feeling that he is going to be the new leader of Alexandria. Ismail is with us. Welcome, Ismail. DJ is joining us and waving. Uh, Tiffany says interesting on Twitter. So let's go back to where we were. Uh, let's see, where was I? Uh, when Rick broke the news, about what Jenner told them, that they were all infected and carrying the virus. Uh, Could this have had an effect on the group's morale? Yeah, especially knowing that he kept it to himself for a time, which I totally understand why he did. Uh, This revelation he made at the campfire, at the finale of season 2, the famous uh, Not a Democracy, which... In social media, it was uh, coined the dictatorship speech, the, you know, dictatorship, dictatorship. He never said any of those words. All he said is that this is not a democracy. It is social media, after that show aired live, that coined the term dictatorship, uh, ricocracy. It was never said on the show. Uh, Rick's quote was, I just killed my best friend for you people. He also says something along the lines of, uh, like I said, this isn't a democracy anymore, meaning that it's going to be his way from now on. Other points on how the original group of survivors had adapted to the new world, uh, being able to scavenge, for anything useful and being less focused on the things they don't necessarily need. Uh, we see the group constantly looking for water, food, later on, medication. In Daryl and Merle's case, they use their skills to hunt for food. Uh, not very much with Merle because he was did not last very long, but with Daryl, definitely. His skills as a tracker, and as a hunter, were huge to that group. Uh, gas. They adapted to siphoning the gas out of abandoned cars. Uh, that was the only way to get gas. Uh, clothing to suit the seasonal changes, not as a fashion statement, obviously. And it is mentioned in seasons three or four that they were he- they were heading towards colder months. And that they were going to need to find some warmer clothes during their supply runs. Tiffany on Twitter says, I'm curious not to go off subject. Why did Lori act differently towards Rick after Rick told her? That she killed Shane? That he killed Shane? Well, you know, you just find out that your husband just killed your former lover... That's going to have an impact on you. It's not like, okay, you know, it's done. Let's just put it behind us and move on. So I think her treating him differently after that, I don't think she blamed him. I think she understood. She knew better than anyone else what Shane was becoming. Uh, Obsessive, controlling uh very tunnel vision and he wasn't thinking clearly so i don't think she actually questioned him as to why did you have to kill him uh it's just the the shock of learning that your husband just killed your lover who he was your lover because your lover told you that your husband was dead you know talk about a complicated situation uh the group also had to adapt having to move from place to place and because the walkers could attack at any moment. They always needed to be prepared which meant packing light and in some occasions as we have seen Rick do in the later seasons he hides and buries weapons in case he ever needs to get back to a safe place. He did that with Terminus and uh, the people, the Terminus people observed him doing it And, uh, they didn't know where he exactly, he buried it. That's where he tells Gareth what's in the bag, including a red-handled machete to which Rick makes him a promise that that is what he is going to use to kill him with. And Rick kept his promise. Probably one of the biggest things that the original group of survivors have had to adapt to is losing people. Uh, that's probably number one. Uh... The person who's standing next to you right now could be gone in the next minute with very little warning. Um, They always, uh, let's say, uh, they they had to become nomadic, which we did see between seasons 2 and 3. They were on the move. Even though at the end of season 2, when the camera was panning out and we could see the prison in the background... Uh, There were several months, Lori was still not showing, and when season 3 started, she was 8 to 9 months pregnant already, so they were in the woods for a long time, just moving and scavenging, uh, whatever they could. That's when Carl found that pet food in that abandoned house, and he started to eat it, and Rick came and just knocked it out of his hands. Like he's tired of it. You know, he's tired of having to eat dog food or cat food. And he was not having his son eating that crap anymore. And so it took him a long time to find the prison that was represented to us in that final scene in Season 2 as being very close to where their current position was. Uh, anyway, probably one of the biggest things the original group of survivors... Uh, Like I said, they have to adapt to losing people. They learned in season one that when they lost Jim, Ed, Amy, and Jackie, losing people is just part of the new world. You were not expected to live out a long life. And if you did, you were lucky. Remember Rick's talk with Carl in the barn? Uh, Rick returned uh, the gun to Carl and pretty much told him, this is the new world. And one day he could very well lose his parents. His exact quotes are, I'm gonna die. Mom is gonna die. Basically preparing his son for what he knows is going to happen one day. Uh, EMI on YouTube writes, Michonne was amazing with her katana. I'm a white boy on YouTube writes, your husband just killed the father of your child. Yup. Uh... Kat also says he did did that at Alexandria, too. So, we're almost out of time. I want to get through this topic. We're almost done. Uh, So, he had that talk with Carl in the barn. Uh, Something else came to mind is that the group had to learn that eventually they were going to run out of places to get their supplies because, obviously, manufacturing doesn't exist anymore. And you could only scavenge for so long before everything just just already been scavenged. So they 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 knew they had to start farming livestock, farming. Those were going to be the the key ingredients to sustainability to life itself. Uh, the group were faced in having to adapt to unexpected changes every single day uh and they were able to pass their knowledge and their skills to others they met who did not have their survival knowledge at the time that they met now you could see the level to which the original group of survivors have adapted to the new world when they meet the other survivors and that is when they go to alexandria now does anyone remember uh sorry does anybody agree that the Alexandrians didn't really adapt when Deanna was in charge, uh, especially when Rick's first group arrived. And that's why Deanna was so adamant on bringing Rick and the group into Alexandria. Deanna was a very smart woman. She could foresee uh, what was coming down the road for Alexandria and that they are going to need people like Rick, Michonne, Daryl, Glenn, Maggie, Carl, uh, who were surviving out there for a long, long time while Deanna and her people were hiding behind the safety of their walls, and only a select few people would go on scavenger runs, and that would be her son Aiden, Nicholas, who's going to be a guest on our show, uh, played by Michael Trainer, going to love to ask him about, you know, if the writers explained any of that to him in regards to his character on the show. Uh, so anyway, she had the foresight to know what was coming and to bring in people that Alexandria was going to need. Now, the, uh, the residents of Alexandria... They didn't have that foresight, and they're like, "Why are you bringing these people in here?" Because they, they didn't have the knowledge to look ahead. They thought everything was gonna go swimmingly for the rest of their lives, hiding behind the safety of hiding behind the safety of those walls. Now remember that the people were, like I said, behind behind the walls. They try to hold on to the lives that they had before the apocalypse. And by not adapting, that made them vulnerable and it also made them a threat to Rick and his group when they arrived. And that's why Rick did not fully accept the Alexandrians until the wall collapsed, Alexandria was overrun by walkers, Carl got shot in the eye, and rick has had enough he just goes out there and starts taking on the walkers by himself that inspires the rest of the alexandrians who were holed up in their houses watching everything unfold from behind their windows to come out and to fight alongside rick that was the moment that the alexandrians gained the respect Uh, of Rick Grimes and when Rick Grimes finally started to respect the Alexandrians. That was the main pivot point. That's when everything changed. And that's when you could say, it's also when Deanna died and Rick officially took over as being the leader of Alexandria. And that actually worked out perfect in timing. That's the end. Of the story of what we had prepared for today. Uh, Let me see on YouTube. uh, Let's see. Magneto is with us. Blob is also joining us. Uh, Blob writes, indeed they did. It was a huge turning point for most of the characters on the show. And also has everyone here seen season seven? Uh, Pretty sure they have. Uh, so anyway, guys, we are out of time for tonight. Thank you for joining me. Please visit our website, deadtalklive.com for all the information, featured episodes, recent episodes, upcoming guests, and a whole lot more. Visit us on YouTube. Our channel is called Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe. If you haven't already done so, if you're there right now, uh, please go ahead and give us a thumbs up. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night, same time, 9.30 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. Until then, guys, remember to stay walking.